What would life look like if our good intentions were inspired enough, empowered enough, and challenged enough so that all those dreams became real, tangible good in the world? On Practice Good Podcast, you will find authentic stories, challenging conversations, and real responses that will inspire, empower, and challenge your social impact journey. But this isn't all. Good business and good programs and good social enterprise are only as good as the health of their leader. And on this podcast, we will pay special attention, not only to the good that we give to the world, but to the good that we live within ourselves, our soul care. Welcome to Practice Good, a podcast for changemakers. I'm your host, Shiloh Kashima, practitioner of good, pastor, and mom of two spicy Nigerian littles. Get ready as we turn your good intentions into positive change. Well, we are back with another episode of Practice Good, and I am so excited to talk to you about today's topic. Our conversation today is about leading change during difficult times. Now, this sounds like a lot of bad stuff, right? (laughs) Leading change, change management, is one of most leaders' least favorite things. It is difficult and messy, and there's a lot of feelings involved and people involved, and all of that can make things difficult. And then we've got this idea of difficult times, right? And we're in the midst of that with COVID, with racial injustice happening, with all of us and our children staying home while we work. I mean, there is so much difficulty going on right now as we speak. So today we're going to talk about what does it look like to lead in the midst of difficult times. I'm going to put a case for you guys that I actually think leading during difficult times is actually easier than leading during great times than leading when things are going well. And here's kind of my backstory behind that. Um, I currently lead at a nonprofit, and um, when I originally and first came in, I realized, of course, there's some things that could change, some things that we could improve. I mean, who wouldn't? In any organization, if you hire someone, you're going to come in, and if you're what they hired, and if they're who they wanted to hire, you're going to have some ideas for change. It's just natural. And I originally came in and decided and realized that we needed to take some of our class instructors and provide some training. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And what I realized is while we did have training available and it was required, there was nothing that happened if people did not take the training. So inevitably, we had a lot of people, whether they were coaches, volunteers, mentors, instructors, who didn't have up-to-date training. In fact, they didn't know the new curriculum, and we had made a lot of changes since I got there. Uh, Many of them were not up-to-date on even just diversity and inclusion ideas and how do we connect um, with our students. So I really wanted to create a a nice place for twice a year, all of our volunteers to get together and to just reconnect and get on the same page. And when I did that, I really found some pushback. I mean, there was a lot of people that had invested years and years into what we were doing and they were passionate about it. They loved our mission and vision. They were great at what they did. And the idea of asking them to come in for a training 
felt kind of like a spit in the face. And I get it. I mean, I was the newbie on campus. I walked in and I made all these new things happen. And it's kind of like, wait, 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 hold on. You don't know who we are. You don't know our legacy. And you don't know what we've done for this organization. Who are you to tell us that we need training? So as you can imagine, I had a lot of pushback. And sometimes the pushback was unbearable. But we pushed through and we made it and we built a lot of relationships in the meantime. And I think that that time was really special for me because I began to really get to know people in a way that I hadn't before. Speed ahead a little bit and we get hit by COVID, right? A pandemic arises and all of a sudden we're forced to pivot as an organization. Now, if I stop here and pause and just kind of give you a little bit of the story about why I had some pushback, it was this. So we had started preparing something really before I had even been hired and it was a project, a video project to create a standard level of quality teaching amongst all of our different locations in order to scale up. Now, it seems like not a big deal, but it is a big deal when you've had dedicated professional volunteers who've been instructing our classes for years. Every semester, we have roughly 24 different spots per class site for instructors. Now we have six to eight different class sites. So do the math and you can see how many local business leaders invested their valuable time into this mission and vision to teach our students, which we were so overwhelmed and grateful for. And then all of a sudden, we decided to add this video <laughs> video curriculum where we took some of our greatest instructors and we put them on video and we wanted to create a system to where we could scale and grow and also know that across sites that our content and curriculum was the same quality and standard. You see, at one point we could go into one class and get a great teaching, go into a different site, and the teaching could be great, but very different. The variance of teaching topics and the variance of quality teaching was creating a threat or an obstacle to our growth. So we knew we had to do something in order to create a standard among sites. And our solution to that was to create this video curriculum. So our first semester where we wanted to integrate this video curriculum, we really needed to retrain all of our instructors because it was broken up in such a way that required our in-person live instructors to follow that same schedule. For example, we wanted to take eight different class sites and do 50% with live instructors and 50% with video curriculum. And our goal was to eventually transition into a place to where most to all of it was in video. This was the only way that we could scale up and guarantee that we knew that the outcomes that were successful were due to the curriculum that we had created. If it was varying and if the curriculum varied among sites, when we had successful candidates that graduated our program, we wouldn't know really what caused that. And vice versa, if we had if we had graduates that weren't as successful getting jobs, we actually don't know what the differences were in the teaching that they received. So in order to scale up and 
improved quality content and curriculum, we had to slowly transition to a video model. Now, we did this by doing instructor training, and we had to have them be trained in the new model and the breaks where they would stop and allow the students to have group conversation. And then all of a sudden, COVID hit, and classes were shut down for two weeks. We knew that in order to keep our programs running and to serve the community, we needed to pivot to a virtual format. In doing so, literally overnight, we went from pushing hard to get to a 50-50 ratio of instructors to videos, all the way to going 100% videos, and there was zero pushback. Literally, everyone got it. Everyone understood. And everyone knew that during difficult times, we had to do what we needed to do in order to stay afloat. You see, change management is like pulling flowers out of cement when things are comfortable. But when things are difficult, it's like flowers are jumping out of the cement like frogs out of boiling water. (laughs) People get it. When difficult times hit, when frightening things are happening, when a pandemic arises, all of a sudden that cement that is holding us into this place of status quo is lifted. People are now willing to change because the pain of staying in that cement is way larger than jumping out of it. So today I wanted to talk to you about the beginning foundation to leading change during difficult times, okay? See past the obstacle, right? See past the obstacle. As a leader, you need to, yes, acknowledge the obstacle, but see past it. So oftentimes I see people who are like, oh, don't talk about the negative, don't acknowledge the fear, don't acknowledge, let's just move forward and be positive, be positive. That is one of the worst pieces of advice I've ever heard. Yes, there is a moment where you need to acknowledge the good and you need to press on and you need to, you know what, ignore the obstacle and keep going. But if you don't acknowledge what is going wrong, the fears, the obstacles ahead of you, you will not properly address them. So as a leader, number one, see past the obstacle, which means you see the obstacle, but you see past it, right? And the first thing that I would encourage you to do within that is to share what is happening. Share the obstacle, share the difficult news with your team. When organizations choose to keep difficult things silent, they often jeopardize their level of trust with their team. I could not reiterate this more. I'm not telling you to tell your team every single detail. Oftentimes we need to protect our team from things. My husband and I are pastors. There've been very, very difficult things we've gone through only to decide that there were certain things that we would carry alone and there were other things that we would allow them to carry with us. And now that requires a lot of discernment. Sometimes you protect your people And sometimes you allow them to know the difficult news. An example of this is COVID. When things hit and we had to shut our classes down for two weeks, people were going, hey, give us some information. What's going on? Now, no information is not good information. At least give them information that says, hey, we are keeping track of the COVID numbers on a daily basis. We do not know what our next steps are, but we are currently creating a contingency plan. And as soon as we know, we will let you know. Some information is better than no information. 
as a leader, it's our job to see past the obstacle and to be the forefront, to be at the forefront of change, to be at the forefront of showing them beyond the obstacle. It's so easy to get bogged down in the obstacle, but as a leader, you have to see over the hill. You have to see it so clearly that you can communicate that vision to your team in a way where they can see it too. And then you have to remind them, remind them, remind them, remind them every single day. You need to remind because leaders have to stay six feet ahead, communicate the plan, plan for it and implement it. I think if you have someone on your team that has the strengths finder characteristic of futuristic, I mean, those are your people, right? These are the people that are going to help you lead change. And if they have a skill set of communication or influence, they are also going to be the perfect people to help you lead through this change. John Maxwell has a blog about leading through frightening times, and he has a quote on there by Mark Cole, and it says, it's okay to feel fear, but it is not okay to make your people carry it. It is our job to paint a brighter picture. So number one, see past the obstacle. Number two, the second preliminary step that you need to do in leading change during difficult times is be on the same page with your leadership. Now, I know this sounds a little bit strange, but let me explain. When you have a vision and you're seeing past the obstacle, you could be creating a solution in your mind that other leaders aren't necessarily creating. And if you are leading or co-leading with other people, you need to make sure that before you begin sharing the vision and the solution, that you sit down with your team and you make sure you're all on the same page. Is everyone seeing over the hill? Does your vice president or co-leader or director of operations or president even, do they have something that they see as well? Make sure you're on the same page for what you see and your solution. Make sure that you're all seeing over that obstacle. The reason why is if you bring all the optimism you can and you see beyond the obstacle and you are pushing a vision out there to your team every day and you're encouraging them and then you have another leader who is walking around saying something negative or like, well, yeah, we're going to try that, but we don't really know if it's going to work. Or, well, you know what? Shiloh has all these great ideas, but look at what really is happening. Or did you read the news last night? That kind of thing will literally break your team apart. It will self-destruct overnight and you will wonder why people aren't catching your vision and you won't know why because you didn't sit down with your core leaders and make sure you're on the same page. This is so important. Bring everybody into the same room and make sure you're fully bought in before you get begin to communicate with your team. So number two, be on the same page. And number three, share the vision. This is that communication piece. It's not just share the vision as in communicate the vision, but it's also share the vision as in share the ownership of the vision, right? Allow your team to speak into it. Allow them to feel that ownership. Don't just communicate the vision without getting their input. This is oftentimes an obstacle in organizational culture where people don't feel like they have buy-in to the policies or the procedures that are created for leadership. My recommendation is that you come to your team and you present the obstacle. 
you acknowledge the obstacle and you allow your team to voice their fears, their frustrations, their concerns. And then you acknowledge those. You make them very real and you talk about and open the discussion for ideas, for brainstorming. No idea is a bad idea. Write them down. Writing them down makes people feel like their opinions, their thoughts, their fears, their concerns, their ideas matter. It makes them feel like they were acknowledged. Put them in writing. Then take that away and say thank you guys for all of your input. I'm going to take these and we will come back to you when a decision has been made. Then set up a meeting and share with them the plan. Make sure that the plan includes their ideas to the best of your ability. Now, does this mean you have to take every idea into consideration? I know some of you are probably like, Shiloh, you would not believe the kind of crazy ideas I get. I know. I have had crazy ideas too. I've given crazy ideas. I've seen crazy ideas, but no idea is bad. And every idea leads us towards a pathway of getting better. There is a really excellent book by Patrick Lencioni called Death by Meeting. And in it, he talks about mining for conflict. And this idea is really about digging to get conflicting ideas to be able to pull out some really nice diamonds from the rough, right? You're mining for that good and you won't be able to get it unless you get all the ideas out there. So take those ideas, integrate them as best as possible, but ultimately you as the leader need to make the final decision of what is best for the outcome, the mission, and the organization as a whole. Share that vision with your team. They will notice their ideas that are integrated and if their ideas are not integrated, they will still feel heard and acknowledged. This is where you'll get the ownership of your team when you share your vision with them. Communicate the vision, share the vision, create benchmarks and measurements for success, decide who's responsible for each of those, create a new scorecard, and then one, two, three, like clockwork, put your hands in and yell, go team, right? Keep that energy, keep that momentum, keep that vision so your whole team is on the same page. So here we have it, three preliminary steps. They're really three preliminary S's. See past the obstacle, be on the same page with your leadership, and share the vision with your team. This is gonna get you through leading change during difficult times. And remember that the difficult times are your best friend to leading change. People are more willing to get out of that cement and into change if they're current state is uncomfortable. So instead of dreading those difficult times, begin to embrace them and get excited for them because those are opportune times for you to get some real work done. Now, before I end today, I want to give you a few fun resources, things that I think would be great steps for you to continue to take this idea of leadership during difficult times to the next step. Harvard Business Review has a book that has 10 must-read items on change management. You can get this on Amazon or really anywhere. I've seen these Harvard Business Review guides even in the airport. So pick up your copy, make sure you read it. It's got great, great information. Also, Another great article is by Tom Uphoff from Forbes Magazine, and it is called How to Lead Your Team Through Challenging Times. Pick up that one, it's really good. You can Google it and get some really, really helpful insight out of it. And finally, I wanted to recommend to you 
Nine Great Things Leaders Do in Difficult Times by Bill Murray. That is gonna empower you and help you begin to take the first steps and the next steps in leading change during difficult times. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Practice Good Podcast. I encourage you to leave a review on the iTunes website and also share this podcast with a friend or two. If you would like something specific covered in an episode coming up, please email me. My email is shilohkashima at gmail.com. That's S-H-I-L-O-H-K-A-R-S-H-I-M-A at gmail. I cannot wait to hear from you. I will talk to you on the next episode.